Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good whatever it is, wherever you are. I'm Ali Amagasu, welcoming you to this week's episode of Cloud Unfiltered. Today's guest is a Cisco guy, and our Cisco guys are some of our most popular episodes, actually, I think because they know this technology uh, in the cloud world inside and out. Uh, today's guest is Stephen Dake. He's a principal engineer with Cisco, and he has had his um, hands in OpenStack for quite a while, had some really interesting roles that uh, I'm going to let him delve into. Now he's involved in, uh, well, continues to be involved in OpenStack, but also uh, getting into Istio and CNCF. And so I think there's a lot to uh, uncover here. I think folks are really interested in what's going on with Istio right now, for sure. So uh, welcome, Stephen. We're glad to have you on the show. Thank you. Really welcome. Sure. Now let's start before we get into the deep tech stuff. Can you just give me a quick uh, summary of how'd you get into tech? Why is this what you do? Yeah. So when I was like 11, my dad bought a computer. This was when computers were like $5,000 for a format. <laughs> computer. And uh, I just learned assembly language. I had a quick reference book. I learned assembly language. Uh, and I learned Pascal and then I went to C um, when I was 14 or 15. And I got to university, and it, it's almost like I was destined to be an engineer, a software engineer. Um, you know, I think if I would have been around during the punch card era, I wouldn't have made it. <laughs> so you know, it would have been tough. Um, after that, um, I went to university at Northern Arizona University. And um, after my graduation, I worked at Intel for three years. And uh, we worked on Intel Integrated RAID. That was a cool project. Uh, I kind of got the urge to go to a startup. So I went to one called Monavista, which is used in a lot of products people don't even know about. Um, I was there for five years or so and uh, eventually got uh, kind of tired of the startup thing. Uh, you know, five years is a long time for being in a startup. So I went to Red Hat and I worked at Red Hat for nine years. Uh, and that was fantastic. Uh, I really finished my hybrid engineering training, which was basically, um, you know, I'm a jack of all trades, master of many. Uh, which is cool. I can do many things well. Uh, and it really trained me for the future. Uh, and then uh, Cisco ended up making me a better offer. So I left Red Hat. I've been at Cisco for three years. So that's kind of my background in uh, technology and how I got to where I am today. Oh, when you say you seem like you were destined for, or it seemed like software engineering was, you know, really the right fit for you. Why was that? Was it just you liked the rhythm of the work? You liked the creative expression of writing code? Or what was that? Uh, you know, I was really good at it. I, I hate to be arrogant, but I was good at what I did because I started so early, I think. Yeah. Uh, and it seemed automatic. I mean, I couldn't see myself being a doctor. Uh, all the doctors are great. I love doctors. Uh, no finer profession in my mind. Um, but I couldn't be a doctor. Uh, it would be too hard. You know, attorney, my dad's an attorney. I'm not really into the whole pushing paperwork. I love, you know, I type all day. My dad used to joke. He used to say, you used to tell me all the time you didn't want to be a determined because you'd have to push paper all day, yet you type 24 hours a day. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, I guess you're right. Uh, you know, that's that's basically what happened. So uh, that's I think that's what happened, you know, kind of how I got involved. Um, you know, I really got focused on computing early on, and it just seemed uh, – I think there's probably a lot of people who wish they'd gotten focused on computing early on, you know, yeah. not that you can't learn it late, but I think there's a lot of folks who, who would uh, love to trade places with you and have that 11 uh, year old exposure to, to coding. Yeah, I have a lot of friends actually that started out of university that, that did very well. So you, oh, that's good. To, you don't have to start young, but it helps. I think it helped for me. 
I've got a 12 year old that I'm trying to convince right now <laughs> to My take son after school classes uh, in coding and because the schools still don't offer that much. You have to be like an after school club or something like that. And, and uh, he's, he's getting mildly interested, but uh, I think he's just right on the cusp. So we'll see. Well, 12 is a good age. Uh, yeah. Have you bought him a pro programming book yet? Or? Uh, I bought him one programming book, uh, Python. I think it was Python okay, for beginners. That's I feel like Python's a pretty friendly, you know, beginner language. Yeah, I'm teaching my son C. Yeah. Because uh, that's what he wanted to learn. Uh, he asked me, what is the language you would learn first, Daddy? And I said, C. He said, okay, let's learn that. So we're going through Kernigan and Richie's uh, C book now. So he's beginning to get it. Uh, and so how old is he? He's uh, 13. Oh, good. That's, that sounds yeah. about right. That sounds yeah. about right. All right, so I, I certainly, um, you know, at the beginning of the show, I mentioned that you've had some involvement in OpenStack, and that's to put it mildly. So can you tell our audience, you know, what your involvement in OpenStack has been, what your, what your background has been in there, and uh, before we get into the exciting projects you're working on right now? Yeah, so uh, first of all, all my projects, I think, have been exciting. <laughs> uh, um, before OpenStack, actually, I worked on a project called Corusync. I did that at Red Hat, which is a HA system. It's pretty much the standard HA system in computing today. Um, there, you know, Kubernetes, I think, will eventually replace that uh, CoreSync, but that is the standard, the CoreSync and PaceMaker. And then within, and that's used in a lot of OpenStack distributions, in fact. Uh, but specifically on OpenStack, I work, uh, I started the project called Heat. Uh, there were four other fellows on my team. Um, you know, it's almost like I had a Ferrari race team <coughs> uh, working with me. Uh, they were great. My team was fantastic. Um, I wasn't a people manager, but I was a team lead. And uh, doing that work was really cool. We started that project when there were no, there was no way to incubate a project in OpenStack. So we really uh, laid new ground, which was really challenging. Uh, getting people to accept the idea of incubation in OpenStack was a challenge. Uh, but uh, fortunately, uh, you know, we stuck to it and we didn't give up. And that, that was a key, it was not, not, not giving up and pushing forward. And now Heat is used uh, kind of all over the place. I think it has like 75% adoption or 78% or something in OpenStack, which is pretty good. Um, and for those um, folks who don't know, uh, what does that project do? What is What functionality does Heat provide? Yeah, so it orchestrates uh, OpenStack resources in an orderly fashion. Uh, you throw it a DSL uh, descriptor and it makes all that stuff happen. Um, it's pretty cool. Um, I like Heat a lot. Uh, I think, um, you know, it's mature now. So I dropped off the core team about three years ago after it was mature, after I thought it was mature, and it's matured even more. So uh, since then, I've worked on uh, Magnum. Uh, there was a project called, uh, there was a containers project in OpenStack, and it ended up getting the name Magnum, I think, because of a snake or something. I'm not really sure where it got the name. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, I have no idea where I got that. I heard that as kind of an aside, but I'm not sure. Um, there was no code when it came to Magnum, and I was working on Magnum and Cola at the same time. So I started the Cola project uh, and Magnum, but let's talk about Magnum first. So I started Magnum, or I didn't start Magnum, I worked on Magnum a bit. Uh, I wrote about the first 120 patches or so, which made Magnum work properly. And Magnum is a system for deploying uh, OpenStack or deploying Kubernetes on top of OpenStack. So it used Heat, uh, which was pretty pretty nice uh, for that use case. What it does is it creates VMs and then puts Kubernetes on the VMs and then launches them. Uh, since that time, 
um, Magnum has gone on to add other orchestration systems, specifically Mesos and um, uh, Swarm. Uh, so with those additional orchestration systems, uh, Magnum is kind of the, the standard for OpenStack for deploying all, all three of those orchestration systems. <coughs> Excuse me, we call them container orchestration engines. I think that's become an industry norm uh, to call them that. Um, dropped off the core team there about two years ago uh, because again, Magnum was mature. And uh, you know, I can do a couple things well, um, but it's really trying on my soul. You know, it takes a lot of work to do a couple things well. Uh, so I decided to focus full time on Cola. I've done that for about three years, uh, maybe longer. Uh, about three years, I think, something like that. Um, Cola is a project to deploy OpenStack and containers on bare metal using Ansible. Um, really cool. I think most people really like uh, Cola. Um, the containers, we produce two, two, three different things. We produce containers, we produce uh, deployment tooling for bare metal and deployment tooling for Kubernetes. The deployment tooling for Kubernetes is not finished. The deployment tooling for Ansible is extremely mature. It plays almost everything that OpenStack has the opt to offer. Um, can't say that it all works perfectly 100% all the, the different services, but certainly the core services that almost everybody uses works fantastically well. Um, that's integrated with Ceph, uh, which is a really nice storage technology. Um, so basically anybody can install uh, OpenStack without a big data center team, which is cool. Um, so that's kind of been my background in OpenStack. Those three projects have taken up a lot of my time. Uh, last year, I was elected to serve on the board of directors for OpenStack, which was great. I, I didn't think I would get elected uh, to serve, which was cool. I thought, uh, wow, this means people really like my vision. My vision at the time, uh, in 2017, I published a, a blog post, was uh, that OpenStack needed to focus on integration with other communities. And now we call that in the board adjacent community work. So it's adjacent community work is the idea that we want OpenStack to integrate well with other technologies because there's not just going to be an OpenStack. There's not just going to be Kubernetes. Uh, there's not going to be any one technology to rule them all. There's not going to be one ring. You know, there's going to be a bunch of different technologies and they need to integrate well together. And so that's what the board is focusing on now is that integration idea of integrating all of these different technologies together. I thought that'd be a real battle to convince the board of that. Right. And, and when I was elected, I mean, I, everybody was like on board with that. Maybe it was already happening and I didn't know about it. Uh, but that's that's where, uh, that's how I got involved in the board. Uh, this year in 2018, we have a lot of cool stuff coming up. Um, one of the things I'd like to do is pull Zool out. Uh, we have this thing called strategic focus areas. And we've got five of them. One of them is CI/CD. I'd like to pull Zool out of OpenStack and it, make it like a separate project, but under OpenStack's uh, legal protection. Uh, and the board is totally on board with this, so that's that's great. And that'll be fantastic because anybody can use Zool then, which is CI. Uh, Why is that? Why would you want to pull that one out? Is it the the whole idea that OpenStack is <laughs> moving away from the big tent? Is that too big tenty, or is it? Is, are there other reasons? Uh, well, we, we have five strategic focus areas. We have to pick one to focus on first, and we've done that. Now we have to pick a second one. And I would have preferred to pick CI first. And the reason is because CI is a problem that everybody has, and no, nothing uh, scales as well as Zool does. Zool scales to two kilojobs per hour, which means it can 
sorry, 2,000, 2,000 kilojoules per hour, which means that uh, it can handle a lot of load, workload, uh, more workload than any other tool on the, in the marketplace or available open source or proprietary. So it's like 10 times amount of scale than the nearest competitor. So that's that's why Zool. That's why, uh, because it helps integrate all of these different platforms together, which is really what I'm after is integrating all of these platforms. That's wild. I have only missed, I missed the last OpenStack Summit. I don't miss them often. And I've never heard of Zool. Oh, uh, um, okay. you, you miss something and the train just keeps moving. It just drives right on by. How do you spell Zool for Z-U-U-L. people who want to look up? Yeah, Z-U-U-L. Z-E-U-L. No, Z-U-U-L. Z-U-U-L. Uh, yeah, like uh, from, um, I don't know, like, like from um, uh, Ghostbusters. You know, Zool. Oh, uh, right? yes. Yeah. Yes, that's where it came from. Because That's funny. Yes. Okay, well, that's good. That's, that's, I like that. Um, I'm glad I learned about that. I think people are going to want to look that up and, and learn more about it. How, how old is that project? When was it started? It was started with OpenStack. Uh, in the and, very beginning? Yeah, and from the very beginning, well, I don't know, maybe six months after, but really? and before I got involved. And I'll tell you, when I got involved in OpenStack, there was a CI thing called Zool, and there was Jane Garrett, and we were using these tools. And I'm like, you know, this stuff's kind of cool. It's all new to me. The CI was new to me. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, this is like a next generation way to develop software. Uh, you can always ship master. Master's never broken. Fantastic. Uh, the problem with CI today is it doesn't scale, except for Zool scales. So everybody's trying to use CI systems that don't scale. And then they get discouraged and then they stop this next generation transition to producing software. So that's uh, that's kind of what I'd like to be involved in, not technically, but uh, moving out into a strategic focus area. Great. Other things the board's going to be working on in this next year that we should know about? Yeah, there's a boatload of stuff. Um, <clears throat> besides integration work and the adjacent community work, uh, we're really focused on um, well, of course, the strategic focus areas. I think that will take most of the strategic work or most of the work that the board does is focus breaking these different projects into strategic focus areas. But it's hard to predict. I mean, you can't, can't really call these things ahead of time. Um, so we'll see. Um, I think, um, you know, the board has a strategic meeting once a year, uh, sometime in February or March. Uh, and there we just decide kind of, we do a yearly planning almost of what, where we want to focus on. So um, it's too early for me to commit the board to a bunch of stuff that I don't know about, but I do know that the strategic focus areas are committed. So right. we're definitely doing that. This is kind of a, a loaded question, knowing that you're on the board, but uh, we certainly have guests come on and talk about whether OpenStack is still viable or it's just, its day has come and gone and Kubernetes is the thing now and OpenStack isn't important anymore. We've had other guests argue exactly the opposite and say, hey, it's found its groove, it's stable now, it does the things it was intended to do, and just because it didn't knock Amazon out of the market doesn't mean it's not viable. What do you want to say about what you think OpenStack has become and is becoming? Yeah, I think uh, both people, both viewpoints are sort of correct. Um, You know, OpenStack did not become the killer or the single solution that everybody wanted, uh, which is fine. Uh, I think uh, OpenStack has done a fantastic job of making cloud computing available to everybody. It didn't knock Amazon out of the market. Yeah, okay. Uh, I mean, Amazon prints money. How are you gonna how are you, how are you compete against that? And our budget in OpenStack is much smaller than Amazon spends daily. Uh, so 
uh, just on their cloud operations. How do we compete against that? It's hard. Uh, I think um, OpenStack going forward is going to do a lot of good work, though, uh, with, the, with these strategic focus areas, things like Zool, um, things like uh, forming a strategic focus area around container technology, and of course, adjacent community work. Uh, without all these technologies working together, um, you know, customers, and I, I don't mean uh, Cisco's customers, but I mean customers of all of these different open source technologies, none of that stuff works well together. It's not integrated or tested together. And that's one mm. of the problems that OpenSec is going to be solving in the future. Um, and <clears throat> by that resolution, uh, by making that work well, uh, I think OpenSec becomes more relevant than it is today. Uh, and OpenStack is super relevant, and at least in my role. Uh, I know that when I go to the summits, I'm usually amazed by some of the companies that show up on stage that are super users that have massive OpenStack deployments. Uh, any any names you'd like to drop as um, currently referenceable super users? Uh, what cool yeah, companies yeah. are using this at scale? Yeah, I, I don't know if I should do that because <laughs> then I might play favorites. I mean, there's. 700, I think 740 deployments or 742 deployments or something like that. And uh, okay. if I listed off five of them, that would anger the other, you know, 737, right? So, so we have to go to the OpenStack Summit if we want to see the, if we want to find out next who's the. I think Mercalier Mar could answer that question better than I could because, uh, you know, they picked a sel selection of companies that have deployed OpenStack at scale. Uh, you know, if I pick one or two or five, it might be might be problematic. I mean, somebody might have their feelings hurt, so I don't want to do that. Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. All right. So moving on, you know, OpenStack is obviously something you're very deeply involved in, but you're working on some other stuff that is the current hotness. Um, and in that, I'll say Istio. I, I don't know if there's a person I speak to about Istio who doesn't get excited and say, wow, it's, it's neat. What it can do is really neat. Uh, so can you go over, you know, first off, what your involvement is and what Istio is and and why we should be excited about it? What, right, sure. So, so what is Istio? First off, <clears throat> let's take the easy question. Istio is almost like an SDK for securing microservices, uh, for providing telemetry. Uh, it does a bunch has a bunch of different properties. You can uh, rate limit, um, but it's almost like an SDK, except you don't have to modify your source code. Now, I, you know, I could go into technical details. It does this thing called a sidecar and then people's eyes start to glaze over. But if you ignore the sidecar thing, the, the, the front of what is Istio is it provides a bunch of functionality that you would otherwise have to reproduce in each of your microservice uh, solutions or each of your applications. It just does all that for you without, uh, without a bunch of hassle. Um, you take your application, your, it could be Kubernetes or OpenStack or whatever, you deploy it and it's active uh, automatically. So unlike a typical SDK where you have to modify the code to write to the APIs, there are no APIs. Well, there are APIs in Istio, but no APIs that the user writes to. Instead, it's all automatic, uh, mm. which is fantastic. And what this does is this allows us to integrate different technologies. So we can integrate <clears throat> OpenStack and Kubernetes and maybe other technologies down the road. Uh, for example, OpenShift is integrated. It's a Kubernetes solution. Um, IBM uh, IBM's, uh, Cloud Solution, I forget what it's called, is integrated. Um, something called Eureka is integrated. There's a whole bunch of different integrations. So Istio, in a way, may be bigger, not bigger than Kubernetes, but kind of an overarching technology for integration uh, with all of these different 
uh, cloud orchestration engines and uh, container orchestration engines. So that's uh, that's kind of why I'm working on Istio is because of that that integration technology. And then in terms of um, in terms of what does um, well, I don't know. I lost. I lost track of. No, that. that's okay. I was saying why. Why are people excited about Istio? But I think you kind of you oh, yeah. kind of answered that uh, a little bit by saying what it does. Uh, and so, I don't know if I missed anything there, but. Okay. Well, you asked me like three questions. So yes. And I'll yes. remember two. Um, okay. So the next question <laughs> I was going to ask um, was where where is it going? What's what's coming up with Istio? Is there new stuff that's going to be integrated into it? Um, new functionality that people should be excited about. Yeah, so uh, coming up, I mean, Istio is on a one-month release schedule. Uh, there's about 80, 90 contributors that are full-time, and I think if you look at the GitHub repo, there's like 120 contributors. Mm -hmm. um, so my focus on Istio is really about integrating with OpenStack. That's really where I want to see, and Kubernetes. I, you know, again, back to this adjacent technologies idea, I think that is crucial in integrating all of these technologies under one solution, which is what Istio does. It's fantastic. It's it's a really cool approach. Um, in terms of what's coming up, I mean, the roadmap is chock full of stuff. Um, there, I mean, the roadmap spreadsheet that's open source, you know, available available in in the public has like eighty items on it, and all of them are party zero, which means they need to ship with one dot of this deal. So uh, it's a big project, has a big grand scale, uh, and uh, I think it has a lot of potential. And if it does work today, it works really well, but if it, we can deliver on all of these P0 items, uh, kind of my work on adjacent technologies, I think will be done, uh, and the board's work on adjacent technologies, because we'll have a full integration solution. Wow. Yeah. Now, I think of I think of Istio as a Google thing. I know it's an open source project. What does that mean? Does it, did Google start it, and they've made it an open source project now, or do they govern it in some way? Yeah, so IBM started a project called Amalgam, about a year and a half ago. And uh, Google had a project, I think, internally or something. I'm not really sure on the details. Uh, maybe it was internal, maybe it was external, uh, where they were doing the same thing. And then IBM and Google joined forces uh, to work on Istio. Mm. And uh, now Cisco's joined forces with uh, Google and IBM. There are a bunch of other uh, smaller companies working on Istio as well. Uh, so there's a lot of interest, a lot of interest in integrating it with things like Cloud Foundry um, or Eureka, which I'm not really sure what Eureka is. I'd have to evaluate to know for sure. Um, there, but there's a bunch of different approaches to that integration. And that's a lot of what's coming up. But the biggest thing that's coming up is the idea of multi-cloud. So okay. if you take a look at uh, what people's typical data centers, they've got maybe uh, 20 different uh, clouds. 20 different clouds? Yeah, if you're a big company, you've got a lot of clouds. Yeah. That's a lot. It's, it's below the clouds. And the problem with the below the clouds is you have to manage each of them individually. Uh, with Istio, you can manage them all as one big homogenous system, which is fantastic. And that work is not finished. Uh, that's really where Cisco's contributing. And that's where I'm contributing my time uh, for the most part, uh, because that is how we get to that's how we get to this adjacent technology integration is through that integration with these multiple clouds. So I probably should have mentioned that earlier. You know, you got OpenStack and you run Istio on that. That's not that important. That's not that great. You run Istio on top of Kubernetes. Okay, that's kind of cool. But what if you could run the same Istio across everything 
across all different cloud providers. That's where the power of this field lies. And that's where we're really focused. Uh, Cisco, wearing my Cisco hat, that's where we're really focused now, is in that upstream uh, multi-cloud environment. Boatload of clouds. I love that. I love that phrase. Um, so, so give me some some hard examples of you know. So, having this single management window or deployment tool. Um, I'm not sure exactly what to call Istio. Um, what does it simplify? Does it mean that if I write code once, I can just I can deploy that application across all my clouds without having to rejig or anything? That's um, I did multi-cloud. Yes, that's where that's where we want to take it, and Istio can deliver that. Uh, once we implement the multi-cloud work, um, we've got uh, several people, like maybe 15 people working on this uh, effort. Wow. So Cisco, um, we mean Cisco. So we're, you know, we're actually going after it, uh, which is cool. You know, I didn't really have to convince anybody to go after after Istio. I think other people convinced me. <laughs> I'm not really <laughs> sure. Um, but once once I evaluated, it got through the build process, which was very painful in July when I evaluated it. Now it's really easy. Um, anybody can evaluate it probably in about 30 to 45 minutes. So I would encourage people that don't know what Istio is to go try it out, do an evaluation, and see how well it works for them. Because with this, it, it's not a common uh, glass, pane of glass. It doesn't provide that. It provides a common management framework for connecting all of these microservices together across different clouds. And the microservices could be VMs. So that's a weird kind of a weird concept new to people uh, with Istio. And so it works across not just multiple public clouds, does it work across private? Can you have a private cloud in there as well? Yeah, absolutely. Private cloud works fantastically well. Um, today, the multi, again, the multi-cloud work isn't done. It's in design. And we, we expect to have that done. Um, us and Google, and I think IBM's working on it a bit, expect to have it done in, by February. And then people will be able to use it. In, in my opinion, that's the number one priority for Istio, besides stability, of course, and security. You know, we need those things. Um, those things are always first. But in terms of features, multi-cloud, Istio is ready to go. Um, <clears throat> you can use it today. Uh, it's not particularly buggy because it has a very good uh, CI system. So the CI system uh, tests all of the code. Uh, I would use the release version, though. But uh, the APIs are not going to be stable until 1.0 ships, so I wouldn't put it in production. But if people want to evaluate it now, now's the time to, to look at it because uh, I think it's worth evaluating. And, and where do they go to evaluate it? Uh, you can just go to GitHub, forward slash okay. Istio, forward slash Istio. That's the repo. Or you can look at istio.io, uh, which is a website for Istio. And um, you know we've got a lot of people working on making things easier to use from a build perspective from a repo perspective, from a workflow perspective. Uh, in terms of your question about governance, uh, most of the government, gover excuse me, most of the governance comes from IBM and Google. So uh, they uh, definitely are responsible for governance, but it's a true open source project, meaning that anybody, you know, the more code you contribute, the more influence you have uh, typically in any project. And it's no different in, in SDL. So uh, for people that want to get involved, uh, that want to shape the direction of Istio, start writing some code, start lo looking at the design docs, join the development mailing list. Um, and then maybe I'll have my wish of all of this technology being integrated, including OpenStack. <laughs> <laughs> That's really neat. I had no idea that Cisco was in that deep on uh, the Istio business. I mean, if you've got 15 guys doing this, um, contributing code, that's 
that's pretty exciting. I mean, it's one thing to say, yeah, we support Google. We're all going to market with our strengths, which, you know, our strength is, you know, maybe um, our go to market machine and um, uh, obviously our networking contributions and security. And Google's got this Istio project, but it sounds like we're really, you know, stepping up there. I like that. Yeah, we, uh, we're definitely involved. Um, you know, whether we ship a product or not, I, there's nothing I can speak about. Uh, I don't right. even know the answer. Yeah, I don't know that we'll say, yeah, who knows what we're going to do with it, but yeah. sounds like we're going in on, on trying to make it better, which is exciting. And that actually makes me wonder, if you came to Cisco three years ago, there's no way we were involved in this then. Uh, no. What, is this a, a huge pivot in your job description, or is it fairly fluid? Uh, so I was working at Cola for a long time, mm -hmm. and Cola doesn't really need me anymore. I have a habit of working on a project for two or three years and getting kind of uh, emergent. So uh, it's self-sufficient, protects itself, has an immune system almost. Uh, and I've done that with the projects I involve myself with. And by doing that work, um, you know, I don't need to work on Cola anymore day to day. So <clears throat> I do want to work on OpenStack day to day. Uh, but I feel like my technical contributions are best spent on a technology like Istio, which integrates all of the different uh, cloud providers together, such as OpenStack, uh, into kind of one system where you can schedule your applications across clouds. Uh, so it's not a huge pivot in my job description. It's really my job description all along. I'm in a CTO organization. My job description roughly is to buy new technology and figure out how to integrate it uh, or get them to work together. So. That's CTO job is harder to explain than just that. I'm still learning, uh, but that's basically what uh, what uh, I do there. So it's not. I wouldn't say it's a pivot in my job description. It's more like an evolution. Of my job description. That sounds like a great job. That sounds yeah, terrific. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. We're reaching the end. It's pretty good. We're, pretty good game. we're reaching the end of our time, but before we uh, wrap up, I did want to ask you a little bit about CNCF. Mm -hmm. Is that irrelevant? Is do you spend a lot a lot of your time on that? Is uh, what's your involvement there? Well, so on CNCF, I'm, <clears throat> I'm not like a person of standing. You know, I haven't developed myself in the community there because, again, there's 18 hours in the day. So um, I can't really focus there, but we do uh, have meetings between board members and community members and uh, between OpenStack and CNCF. CNCF is a monster, sorry, not a monster, a very large project. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, very large organization. They've got like 70 projects and 14 went through incubation or through the incubation process um, or joined the incubation process in the last uh, CNCF um, uh, paper. But there's like 50 vendors working in CNCF. So um, I don't need to work directly in CNCF. Uh, but it, we think Istio may go into CNCF. Uh, they submitted uh, before we got involved, they submitted. Uh, a proposal to join CNCF, but they're gonna, I think we're going to wait till 1.0 hits before we do that. So CNCF, my involvement there may increase uh, more than it has. Right now, my involvement is just around um, the JSON community work, which is, you know, I've said it about 50 times, the most important thing to me. Yeah. So, yeah. So. Well, I, I really <laughs> appreciate you sharing everything that you've, you, you've talked about today as far as OpenStack and, and Istio. Is there anything I missed that you think we should know about that's kind of you know, the new hotness coming down the pipeline, um, stuff you feel like a lot of people outside maybe the the cutting edge of cloud development uh, don't know about yet and should know. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of emerging technologies. I think probably the biggest one that will change the world is blockchain. Uh, mm -hmm. So um, 
who cares about the cryptocurrency and all the money and stuff that that's not what blockchain solves blockchain solves a distributed consensus problem which is how do we get everybody to agree on a specific thing that's what blockchain goes to solve and there's intending to solve that's going to be huge uh, they haven't solved it yet but they're getting close they've managed to get people to uh, have a standardized ledger it's called a distributed ledger for you know because it distributes the ledger technology but really what it's about is distributed consensus so in the future uh, people will work together to um, feed their inputs into this blockchain or whatever it's called whatever it evolves its name into to drive distributed consensus things like voting or title registration or uh, anything you can think of that requires a re recorded information, permanently recorded, blockchain can do that. So uh, I think that's a huge piece of tech. Um, and of course, there's machine learning, which is we see every day when we surf the web or shop on Amazon. Um, we see that. Um, but I think uh, blockchain is very, very immature. And uh, this distributed consensus, if it gets there, will be uh, groundbreaking and change the world. That's exciting. Thank you for that. But I'm not looking at that. Not looking at that. Uh, I only can do a few things well. So. <laughs> so you say now. I'll have you back on the show in, in a year, and we'll, we'll talk and see what, what you've got your hands into. Well, yeah, you know, thanks, James. Uh, nothing's permanent. <laughs> well, Stephen, this has been great. This has been a very enlightening discussion. Um, I imagine our listeners enjoyed it. And for those who want to, uh, to follow you, see what you're up to in social media. Are you active in social media at all? If so, um, can you share your Twitter, Twitter handle? Sure. So I'm a social media noob. Uh, okay. My wife is a rock star. So <laughs> I try to watch her and, you know, see what she does. Uh, but my uh, Twitter handle is uh, at Stephen underscore Dick. And I am active a bit um, from here, here and there. Uh, whenever I do something cool or come up with some new idea or just like, I ran a, a sub panel in my house, 100 amp sub panel. Yeah, I put pictures on Twitter. So I do stuff like that. Uh, and I talk about technology on Twitter as well. Uh, I think it's a very powerful platform, um, but I'm still new. So forgive me if I uh, make an error in what <laughs> Twitter work. But it's no at, worries at all. At Stephen underscore Dick is if you want to follow me. Great. Well, thank you so much, Stephen. And uh, I definitely want to have you back on the show if not uh, in a year, maybe in six months to talk about what's going on. Cause you're working on technologies that are evolving so quickly and are so central to many of the cloud conversations going on right now. So, so thank you for being with us. I appreciate it. It's been great to get to know you. Thanks, and Have a fantastic day. You too, enjoy your day. Uh, I'll uh, see you in six months. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Okay. All right, thank you.